Do you really want to be happy? Do you really want to be happy? Or I could say it another way. I could ask, um, are you generally on your own side? <laughs> now, I know those two questions might sound a little strange at first, but I can tell you after working with so many people over a lot of years and uh, observing my own uh, behavior, actually, I can tell you that we human beings often act, no matter what we say or whatever we intend, we act as though we are not on our own side. We act as though we don't really want to be happy. And so using poetry and stories and some quotes and, and some other things that I want to bring to you today, um, I want to delve into this whole question about happiness and being our, on our own side, which means, which means you are listening to Poetry, Gossip, and the Pursuit of Pleasure with Dale Byron. That's me. And this is a podcast and um, where we really look at the practical uh, characteristics of poetry, where we, as we say, we explore the creative and practical ways poetry can help us in our everyday lives, finding little pockets of joy, sanity, and connectedness. So uh, all of that today in this latest episode. Now, I wanted to, uh, there's a, a book that I wrote a number of years ago uh, called Poetry for the Leader Inside You. And I'm sorry, I think it's probably blurry because of the screen, but um, it's called Poetry for the Leader Inside You, a research and rescue mission for the heart and soul. Oh, that's how I can do it. That's how I can do it. Okay. So um, I want to read the, the chapter that I want to read. It's a very, very brief chapter, and it's got a poem in it. Um, and the, the chapter is called, are, are we really on our own side? <laughs> so again, there's that question and uh, it's corollary, which is, do we really intend to be happy? Because, uh, are we acting that way? Are we having our footsteps be that way? Or if I use my, uh, analogy that I've used so many times on this podcast, are we pickling ourselves? Are we surrounding ourselves with the language and stories and context uh, which would have us be happy or happier, and uh, which would have us be more thriving in our lives. And of course, that's the essence of what this podcast is really about, how to use poetry to thrive uh, more fully in our lives. So the chapter goes like this, are we really on our own side? And I start with a quote by Ryan Reynolds, and it says, like a lot of people, I've got a self, self-loathing self streak. Like a lot of people, I've got a self-loathing streak that's alive and well. <laughs> it acts as a de facto engine when I'm working, but it also has its extraordinary pitfalls too. So, of course, uh, what Ryan Reynolds is saying is that that, that urge to be great and to do great things um, the shadow side of that sometimes is this self-loathing when we are not matching the uh, level of art, let's say, that we that we uh, want to, and that can be highly damaging. So let's uh, let's dig right into this brief chapter. If I could step through the pages of this book and become your living, breathing coach, one of the questions I would ask you is, in our work together, in our work together, could you please pretend you're on your side? Could you please pretend that you're on your side? 
your first response would likely be laughter. Naturally, we assume we are already on our own side. But is it true? But is it true? Do we allow ourselves to be happy, to have fun, and celebrate, really celebrate our wins? Do we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt? The first lines from the poem, The Holy Longing, by Goethe, the famous German poet Goethe, may shed a little light on this territory. Tell only the wise, or else be silent. For those who do not understand will mock it right away. Of course, the obvious request Goethe is making is for us to surround ourselves with wise people who understand us and will support our plans, especially our more adventurous ones. However, there is a second truth buried even deeper in these lines. It's that often our worst mocking critic is actually ourself. You know the old saying, we are, on, we are our own worst enemy. Here I believe Goethe is also suggesting that we tell our best ideas and plans only to the wisest parts of ourselves as well. Writer Annie Lamott uh, once said, my mind is a bad neighborhood. I try not to go in there alone. <laughs> I've always loved that quote. Uh, Annie Lamott once said, my mind is a bad neighborhood. I try not to go into alone. This too almost always invokes a laugh or at least a chuckle. We laugh. We laugh because we know the feeling of those repetitive dark places our minds can go to. Here's a poem. Here's a poem. I've used with many leaders that backs into a strange but genuine question. The poem reminds us that we can hit our personal reset button to forget what needs forgetting so we can clear the decks to be happy and quite simply to operate as if we were on our own side. So the poem is called Sun Trail. The poem is called Sun Trail. And remember what we're what we're up to here. The, the ultimate thing is to, is to actually be on our own side, to actually have our feet comport with the idea that we are on our own side, to have our feet comport with the idea that we actually intend uh, to be happy in the world. So the poem called Sun Trail goes like this. Look, look, the poppies. They are at it again. Look, the poppies, they are at it again, exploding on the hills with their deep yellow flames and supple hearts. The tender green pines, the red manzanita, the wild iris, low and steady, they all breathe the secrets of the dark soil from where the poppies came. And they bend slightly to praise the golden parachutes, who in turn, who in turn pour themselves joyfully, opening without restraint up and toward the sun. As the black bellied poppies 
teach with tender care how to close up shop daily to forget what needs forgetting, how not to shrink from these sanguine spring hills at the first sign of happiness. In working with other people, uh, many other people in a business context and a coaching context, working with groups and teaching, it has occurred to me, I mean, it's there. The evidence is is uh, is clear, is clear, that many times, even though we intend to be able to forget what needs forgetting, as this poem says, and we intend not to shrink from happiness, that that feeling can be mm, kind of an odd feeling. We get used to not feeling happiness, and in so doing we inadvertently, maybe unconsciously, push it away when it shows up. One more time, Sun Trail. Look, look, the poppies, they are at it again. They're at it again, exploding on the hills with their deep yellow flames and supple hearts. The tender green pines, the red manzanita, the wild iris, low and steady. They all breathe. They all breathe the secrets of the dark soil from where the poppies came, and they bend slightly to praise the golden parachutes who in turn pour themselves joyfully, opening without restraint up and toward the sun as the black black-bellied poppies teach with tender care how to close up shop daily to forget what needs forgetting, how not to shrink from these sanguine spring hills at the first sign of happiness. How not to shrink from these sanguine spring hills at the first sign of happiness. Well, this is actually a poem that I wrote uh, myself uh, many years ago. And um, it is now February when I am making this podcast. And these this scene, which I remember so vividly, existed uh, up on Mount Tamalpais, close to where uh, we live. And that scene is one, there's a trail called the Sun Trail, and uh, which is named appropriately. And it is an amazing, especially on a year like this year when we've had a lot of rain, it will be an amazingly display of these poppies in all their glory, all their glory. And so uh, in addition to manzanita trees up there and all the other things I mentioned in this poem. so. Um, this is uh, the images in this poem live very deep in me because they live both in a very specific place that I've seen because the poem is the one that I wrote. But I've got to say that for those of you who are interested 
in uh, writing. This was one of those situations where I had no idea when I started the first few lines on this poem where I was going to end up. I had no idea that I was actually writing about happiness, that I was actually writing about the sense of being able to let go of some foolishness that we may have done, as I think Thoreau once said, just let it go. Just let it go. We need to let go certain things and then to allow the happiness to enter. Um, I was thinking um, there's a, a quote that I found by Lucille Ball, you know, the, the great, wonderful actress. And I thought this is a great quote. She says, it's a hell of a start being able to recognize what makes you happy. <laughs> uh, and then um, uh, the Buddha the Buddha, what did the Buddha say about happiness? There is no path to happiness. Happiness is the path. Happiness is the path. And uh, one quote before I finish this chapter that I'm uh, that I want to finish reading for you. Uh, of all forms of caution, of all forms of caution, caution in love is perhaps the most fatal to true happiness. Let yourself go. Let yourself unwind. Let yourself be free in the face of what gives you joy and ultimately what creates happiness for you. So let's finish this chapter. What's at stake is the little subheading under the poem that I, that uh, Sun Trail that, that I read, of course. Slowly and subtly over time, we can unwittingly train ourselves to be drawn to and even addicted to feeling unhappy and out of sorts, even when there is no apparent reason. We were talking about this a little bit before, and I so I'll go on, as I say, in this chapter. Or maybe the old reason has lingered so long, the old reason, in other words, for our happiness or unhappiness, or maybe the old reason has lingered so long, it's turned us toward being a permanent victim of life, a permanent victim of life. I can relate to that. There are days and hours, too many stretched together, where I can feel very much like a victim, where my agency is gone, and all I am is... <laughs> one who receives <laughs> uh, this uh, victimhood. Okay, let's go on here. One symptom of this is an outsized amount of complaining and associated need for perfection. Anybody relate to that? I know I certainly do. If we could only make things perfect enough in our lives, we say, somehow we feel that we could reverse all the previous hurts and losses. But letting that fantasy go, there's good and hopeful news. Happiness itself is wonderfully subversive. In fact, nurturing the ability to handle more of it can become the opening we need to escape our self-imposed limitations. This chapter's poem serves as a wake-up call for new awareness concerning what actually makes us happy. So then we can get about the business of doing things differently. As we say, awareness is critical 
and needed. But of course, it's actually behavior that makes the sustained contribution. This poem can act as a fast, simple search and rescue tool for your heart, for your heart, especially when you forget that you have every right to be happy and that you can choose to be happy and choose to be on your own side anytime you wish to do so. Anytime. This is why this poem um, is in my own personal first aid kit. I go to it. Um, and I go to it particularly when I'm in caught up in the sense of victimhood or caught up in the sense of, of not letting go what I need to let go of to be happy, or in the sense of just, you know, when that when that feeling of happiness washes over us, if we've gone through a time where we've been living exiled from ourselves, exiled from anything like happiness, that feeling of happiness can seem so strange that we reject it, not because we don't want it. Of course not. We reject it because it feels so strange. It's as though our internal uh, sense of, um, of, of what is normal is being offended by this happiness in the weirdest, strangest way. And uh, so uh, we have to mm, nourish this ability to withstand more and more volumes of happiness. So anyway, there you go from a chapter from Poetry for the Leader Inside You, which is a book that um, I wrote some years ago. Um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to a couple of more uh, quotes, and then there's one last little piece that I want to read as we, uh, again, stay with this, um, this subject of happiness. And, and yeah, I like this idea that I was just talking about of, of having more capacity for happiness, having more, just, uh, the ability, it sounds strange, but the ability to accept being happy <laughs> in deeper and deeper ways. Um, one of the things that, um, uh, that, uh, Socrates, that great philosopher, said the secret of happiness you see is not found in seeking more but in developing the capacity to enjoy less the secret of happiness you see is not found in seeking more but in developing the capacity to enjoy less that was socrates and um uh, also um uh, on the same subject john stuart mill says, I have learned to seek, uh, many years later, of course, I have learned to seek my happiness by limiting my desires rather than in attempting to satisfy them. Now, I've got a very short little quote that I actually created some years ago, which is my placekeeper. And so, you know, sometimes these little aphorisms and quotes can be just like a a life-saving poem. It's just even shorter. <laughs> I sometimes say that aphorisms are like poems, only with bib overalls 
one, <laughs> uh, but they can be helpful. So my little aphorism uh, in this territory I'm talking about is stay a cheap date. Stay a cheap date. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I actually came up with that little quote based on a story that uh, my friend and uh, one of my great mentors, Brother David Stindlerass, uh, tells a little story about the idea that each of us, it's like we have a cup and uh, we can pour um, things into that cup, you know, wonderful things, relationships and delicious food and beautiful weather outside. And if we have a small cup, the smaller cup we have, those joys, those um, gifts essentially will overflow and our happiness and our gratitude will overflow. Have you noticed? But if we if we create, and our culture, unfortunately, uh, our modern Western culture wants us, every time we have a cup that's overflowing, um, there's some kind of advertisement and marketing to say, no, 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 you need a bigger cup. You need a bigger cup. You should, you should want and desire more and more and more. Have you noticed? And so the trouble with that is, is that as we get a bigger and bigger and bigger cup, the chances of that cup overflowing become smaller and smaller. And so we are constantly chasing the next thing to fill our cup because our cup is now huge. So my little short quip for that is stay a cheap day. So in other words, the smallest joy, sometimes just a drink of cold water. I'm, of course, I'm speaking to myself when I say all this. I try to remember remember myself this way. But a drink of cold water, the look of a loved one, a hug, just a taste of a delicious piece of fruit or of any food, that can just send us into a kind of a grateful, wonderful, grateful spiral up. That's what being a cheap date is. And I think that's what, um, you know, keep your cup small, as Brother David says. So, Let's uh, let's uh, end with this little. I think I've done this on the on the podcast before, but it just seems so appropriate today because we're talking about happiness. We're talking about releasing. Um, you know, maybe as Thoreau I think said once, he says, you know, of course, in a daytime you've done during a day you've done some foolish stuff. Let that go. Just let that go. Just let that go. In other words, as the poem said, forget what needs forgetting. And then just allow yourself to be happy and not to run from that happiness. And so here's a, it's an African saying that I thought was uh, in this territory. And let me, let's end with this. Those who love you are not fooled by mistakes. Those who love you are not fooled by mistakes you have made or dark images you hold about yourself. They remember, they remember your beauty when you feel ugly your wholeness when you are broken, your innocence when you feel guilty, and your purpose when you are confused. If we could just live this way, of course with others, with loved ones and with others, but if we could, as the subject of our episode today, if we could live this way with ourselves, if we could keep ourselves in our own hearts, if we could not exclude ourselves, 
if we could somehow modify our self-loathing so that we could move past that, forget what needs forgetting, and keep ourselves and be open to more and more happiness. Yeah, I think that would be a good thing. And of course, poetry can help. Okay, that is a wrap. That is a wrap. As I always say, thank you for your listening ear. If you have a comment to make, um, make the comment, of course, uh, on YouTube. If you do a like, it will help the algorithm so more people will see this podcast. Send the podcast to others if you think they might like it or they might benefit from it, get value from it. So, as I always say, until next time and next poems, take good care of yourself.